From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. When you become Prime Minister, a lot changes. But there's only a few people who know exactly what that's like. One of them is Kevin Rudd, and according to the former Prime Minister, one of the most drastic changes is the way that you're treated by News Corp. So what kinds of conversations does a Prime Minister have with the Murdoch press? And what's at stake if you don't play the game required of you? Today, former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd on the way News Corp brings new governments to heal. It's Tuesday, June 28. Kevin, hi, welcome back to 7am. Good to be with you. How have you been? Um, I've been pretty well, thank you. I've been um, doing a little bit of um, travel in the United States where I run an American think tank. Currently uh, in the United Kingdom, where I'm talking to the British government about a subject near and dear to us all, which is the future of US-China, but never too far from what's going on in Australian politics. Yeah, and there is a lot going on in Australian politics at the moment. Obviously, Labor has just taken government for the first time in a decade. And I want to ask you about what that transition is like, what happens when a party goes from being in opposition to having power and how that changes their relationship in particular with the media. So what was it like for you? In my recollection, what was probably the most problematic relationship uh, in that first six months period was um, the uh, Australian and the expectation which had been created during the previous Howard government that the government of the day would uh, spoon feed Murdoch's Australian in order to set the agenda each week. In fact, what the then editor of The Australian said to me as Prime Minister was, Uh, along these lines. The way it works is, of a Sunday night before Cabinet on a Monday, the um, Prime Minister's office uh, would uh, brief out to the Australian senior correspondent what was um, major on the Cabinet agenda for the forthcoming week. We, the Australian, would then set the agenda for the week. Uh, That suits us fine and dandy. And by implication, then, if you continue to play the game, then um, you won't have a huge problem from us. Uh, Both myself and my own staff found this a pretty obnoxious presentation and we uh, declined and we did not go into the business of leaking to the Oz in terms of the Cabinet agenda. Uh, We simply conducted our normal post-Cabinet press conference. So that became a very rocky start to the relationship uh, in government with the Australian. Mm. That term, playing the game, can you tell me more about what that means in this context? Is it just about access? Well, the bottom line out there in uh, media land, in particular in Murdoch land, is that if you can demonstrate to Rupert um, that you are uh, scooping the rest of the field with the mainstream news lead of the day of the week, uh, then it enhances your status with a news corporation. Secondly, however, its pernicious effect is that it sets up an umbilical relationship. If um, you scratch my back, I scratch your back. In other words, if you feed us, then we will, uh, by implication, go light on you in the coverage. Um, And if you um, don't feed us, uh, well, let me tell you, this is how hard we can bite. And um, these were the conversations which uh, evolved over those first uh, critical few months of uh, my government and uh, its dealings with the Murdoch media. Mm. And, Kevin, it's been 
a month or so now since Anthony Albanese was elected Prime Minister. We obviously don't know what is going on behind closed doors in terms of the relationship between the incoming Labor government and the Murdoch press, but what can we tell by looking at what we're seeing in The Australian, in The Daily Telegraph, in The Herald Sun? What are you observing? What I see from the part of the Murdoch um, media, and this is a position which has become more intense over the last decade or so, is an overriding Murdoch political philosophy, which is this. One, do everything you can to prevent a Labor government from being elected. And two, once they are elected, if you can't prevent that, do everything you can to get them unelected as quickly as possible. So what then tends to unfold is you see um, the uh, predisposition on the part of the Murdoch media to reopen debates where they think they can uh, score early points against the government, but more importantly, begin the process of delegitimising the government's policy credentials. Oh dear, here we go, hey. There is no doubt, as I said before the election, that we are in for a difficult economic period ahead. Take, for example, the great debt and deficit debate. But with Labor committed to another budget later this year, we can expect all sorts of broken promises. For God's sake, debt and deficit uh, effectively increased by a factor of five uh, under the uh, Morrison-Frydenberg government. We were told during the election campaign Labor had the clear plans, clear plan for productivity, a clear plan for wage rises, a clear plan... When I left office, um, Australia's net debt was $184 billion. Now it's um, approaching $1 trillion. These are the people that want to continue JobKeeper for all of Australia. These are the people that wanted to pay for your rats. These are the people that wanted to give you bonuses if you got a vaccination. Come on. However, during that period of time, you will notice that effectively the Murdoch media rolled over and died and did not run the debt and deficit agenda other than election time and other than against the Labor Party with spooky music in the background saying something to the effect that if you elect a Labor government, debt and deficit will rocket right out of control. If the economy goes down from this point, Jim Chalmers will say, see, look at the mess that we inherited from the Liberals. It's not our fault. But if the economy picks up, well, Labor's then going to say, boy, did we rescue you. This is to cater for deep fears and anxieties in the electorate about the state of the overall national economy. Now, Labor didn't have an economic plan. We're seeing that now. We said that funding or money needs to be pulled out of the system. Labor had $8 billion more in direct spending and $45 billion more in off-balance sheet spending. And so what I have noticed, uh, even in the last month, is suddenly uh, debt and deficit has come back into the coverage, the mainstream coverage by Murdoch having happily let it slide. Peter, let's look at the first month of Labor. Prices are up on everything, everywhere. Energy is so unreliable, people are being told not to use their dishwashers. Interest rates are rising at the biggest numbers they have in decades. So those sorts of, shall we say, resuscitations of old agendas left uh, in abeyance uh, under the Conservatives, but brought back with a vengeance uh, under this Labor government is the way in which Murdoch does business. Mm. And... Kevin, this idea that news organisations are not being fair to politicians, that's a complaint that you you hear from everyone in politics at some point in time. We hear the coalition say it about places like The Guardian, we hear Labor say it about News Corp, and, and I think we hear everyone say it about the ABC. So why is this any different to that? Is it that the Murdoch press play this game differently, or is it that you think that they have more influence? What is it that makes this so serious in your view? 
Oh, well, there are two factors. Um, one is um, the sheer intensity of the Murdoch monopoly. Murdoch owns 70%, 70% of the print media in Australia. That is um, an enormous power in the marketplace. Um, and it absolutely skews and skewers the uh, framework of our national political conversation. And so it defines what is on the national conversation and what is not on the national conversation through the abuse of monopoly power. And the second is this. Most politicians I know, uh, Conservative and Labor, uh, live in daily fear of being personally attacked, victimised and destroyed by the concentrated firepower of the Murdoch media. When this mob decide to go after you, they really do behave like uh, your average... um, you know, Sicilian mafia operation. They just go for you. And you can speak to people on both sides of politics who have fallen foul of uh, the Murdoch beast. And at a very personal level, what they seek to do is to cause you to wake up in fear and trembling of a morning to see how they've eviscerated your character, your family, your loved ones, and those around you because they disapprove of you and what you stand for in policy and political terms. We'll be back in a moment. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Kevin, early on in your leadership of the Labor Party, you appeared on a lot of commercial TV networks and you met with, with News Corp journalists. Did you believe that there was a chance that you could build a friendly relationship with the Murdoch press at that point? Look, my job as leader of the Labor Party, as has been Albo's responsibility, the leader of the Labor Party, in the lead up to the 2022 election, is to maximise the amount of coverage you can get as the alternative government of Australia. And so therefore, as I've said in many interviews before, I've made no apology whatsoever about seeing Murdoch, about um, seeing Lachlan Murdoch, about seeing his editors, but also doing the same with the then Fairfax Empire, now nine, and also um, uh, the um, uh, producers at the various television radio networks right across the country as well. And that's because your responsibility is to get um, the Labor Party's policy message out to the country as fairly as possible. In reality, it may have some effect as you seek to explain what you stand for, why you're doing what you're doing and how you are arguing the case. But what I certainly experienced in government is that once we secured office, Once we, quote, and to go back to the term I used before, uh, fail to play the game, unquote, then um, suddenly um, they turn against you. 
And uh, certainly I remember the occasion barely six months into office for us when literally the editor of The Australian rang up and said, unless you play the game and begin saying the sorts of things that we expect of you, uh, then we're going to turn on you. And I don't expect the listeners to this podcast to remember, but they then ran, because we refused and declined to play the game, um, they then ran a front-page screaming uh, headline along the lines of chaos, Captain Chaos and Dysfunctionality. In other words, they were seeking to establish a, uh, a message and a meme about the government in its earliest uh, stages, and certainly about my prime ministership and leadership of the government, uh, which was designed not just to damage, um, but which was designed to uh, become a uh, organising principle about their subsequent coverage and to bleed that out into the national media conversation. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, you were very recently actively campaigning for change in this space, for a royal commission into the influence of the Murdoch press. But before the election, Anthony Albanese explicitly ruled that out. So is that idea now dead? I think uh, in the rank and file of the Australian Labor Party, you're going to see this matter pushed forward uh, to the various uh, state conferences and national conferences of the party over time. And that's because uh, the rank and file of the Australian Labor Party have seen this and absorbed this and, uh, to their great frustration, experienced it day in, day out in multiple campaigns across the country uh, for a decade now. So uh, this, as I said at the time, uh, when um, uh, Michelle Rowland, uh, the then spokesman and now the Minister for uh, Communications, uh, indicated that she would not be supporting uh, a Royal Commission, that this was simply the beginning of a longer debate within the Australian Labor Party and across the broader Australian community. And just finally, Kevin, we've spoken a lot about the way that Murdoch has shaped Australia and has influenced politics, but I wonder what your thoughts are on what a post-Murdoch world might look like. If if the influence that you're talking about didn't exist, what would that be like? What is the alternative? One of the things that I have uh, recommended uh, beyond the Murdoch beast uh, in the book that I wrote about a year or so ago, Case for Courage, um, is to ensure that we have changes to the legislation to uh, make watertight the independence of the ABC and to much more uh, fundamentally uh, to entrench the ABC's long-term budget in legislation so that it cannot be raided by future uh, conservative governments as they seek to quash the national broadcaster. I think that's one very practical thing which can be done in the overall mix. The consistent pattern of Murdoch in the United States, the United Kingdom and in Australia has been to rail against the existence of any public broadcaster. And you've seen the craven response by Morrison and Frydenberg as year by year uh, they uh, bled away the ABC budget uh, in order to undermine the ABC's editorial self-confidence, independence, but also its ability to fund um, news and current affairs programs. I think the other thing to recognise is that it's not just the Australian Labor Party. Ask people from the Green Party what their view of the Murdoch media is. Ask the Teal Independents what they think the view uh, of the Murdoch media has been during the course of this election campaign. So I think um, you will see a growing national momentum towards uh, change to Australia's uh, media laws uh, over time. But these things do take time. And having said that, Mm. I'd better zip if that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. 
Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, a number of crossbench parliamentarians have spoken out against the Albanese government's decision to cut down their staffing allocation. Crossbench MPs and senators will now receive only one additional advisor, down from four under the Morrison government. And in Sydney CBD, a car has rammed into a group of climate activist protesters. The New South Wales police said they were investigating the incident after a number of activists were hit. At least 11 of the protesters have also been arrested, including a woman who locked herself to the steering wheel of her car and blocked the Sydney Harbour Tunnel. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.